Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's up? It is, uh, what day is today? June 11th, June 11th, 2023. We hope that you are having a great day. Yep. Uh, we are excited to be back with you and uh, dealing with some more scripture. In fact, we're going to end a book in today's reading. Thank then, God. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't like Second Chronicles or like? No, it's like you're making progress. Okay. It's the sense of like, oh, another milestone. Fair enough. Yeah, because it was like, we're going to end a book. Oh, thank God. Yes. Yes, finally. This one's so hard. Oh, man. This one does take a lot of preparation, though. It's true. It's, it's hard to keep all the figures in place, the time. And so I am excited about jumping into Ezra. But even as you'll find out tomorrow in Ezra's reading, like there's some. It's tough. Right off the bat. We're yes. Going, Whoa, chronology. What just happened? So Lots of numbers. For that. But uh, as we land the plane with with Second uh, Chronicles, we get to enjoy, at least initially here, a, a, a good king. One of the best. Yeah. Josiah. Josiah's always kind of reminded me of like the Jack Bauer of Israel. <laughs> like he just goes in and just cleans house and nobody can stop him. I like that. And he probably had a bag and a cell phone that never ran out. Mm, he never had to never use, had to use the bathroom. Never used the bathroom. Never encountered traffic on any of the LA freeways. Never. Man. Never. Josiah's amazing. Josiah is amazing. Wow. But he's uh, if you notice in the text there, it says that he was eight years old when he began to reign. So this is it's a boy. Young. Yeah. It's a boy. But then just a, a few uh, years into his reign, about eight years into his reign, we pick up in verse three. It says, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and so forth and so mm-hmm. on. So 16, 17 years old, it clicks. And yep. he begins to go, okay, I need to be pursuing God. I need to be seeking him. I need to be setting my heart after him. And he begins to go after cleansing Israel, of the things that they need to get rid of. Right. I really, man, when I was reading this, Pastor PJ, I was thinking we need to be praying for our young people, our kids and our grandkids. I mean, a 16-year-old conversion is not terribly un, unheard of or uncommon, but man, God does those things. Pray for your kids. Pray that they get saved early like King Josiah. Look at all the good he does as a result of being saved at a young age. That's what we hope for for our kids. And yeah, we've mentioned this in podcasts in the past, but put your kids in the way of the church. Put them in the mm. way of, of the gospel as much as, as you can. Moms and dads listening, if your kids are at home, don't let them make the decision about where you're going to go to church. Don't make let them make the decision about whether or not they're going to go to church. Right. If they're under your roof, get them in the building. They need to be there, right? They need to be at the church. They need to be hearing the word of God preached. They need to be around God's people. They need to be influenced by things as much as you can and as much as is in your power, which if you're paying for the roof and you're paying for the food on the table, you got the the clout there. Bring them with you and get them to church. Yeah. And remember, there's no perfect church. I mean, right, Pastor P? Is is Compass Bible Church the perfect church? No. 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 So you're always going to be able to find reasons why you should go to this group and that youth ministry and these other places. But hey, if you got a healthy church, hunker down, get plugged in and trust what God's doing in that church. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, part of his reforms is, is he wants to uh, repair the, the temple. And as they're doing some work on the temple, they, they find the book of the law of Moses. Wow. They lost it. They had lost not only that, but all the, the copies that had been made, apparently, uh, between the, the, the time of the last one and, and here. And so they find the book and Josiah sits out to read the book. And when he reads the book, he tears his clothes uh, and that may seem weird to you, but that was a sign of mourning. That was a sign of, mm. of grief and, and repentance. 
at this time. And so Josiah is listening to the law. He's already seeking God. He's already reasoning, they're realizing they're in a bad way by taking away these, these idolatrous high places and things. But now the law is read and he realizes just how far Israel has gone. And being a, a good and godly king, having sought the Lord, he mourns greatly for this and begins to tear his clothes. You know, one thing I appreciate, Pastor PJ, is we. <laughs> it would be really hard for us to lose the word of God right now. We've got it on our desks. We've got it in our phones. You could have it on your wristwatch if you have an an Apple watch. I mean, you can. The word of God is everywhere. We take it so much for granted that we have it in our language and have a thousand different versions of it. Man, I thank God that this isn't a likely situation. Now we might have a famine of the word of God that still takes place, but man, having it available, take advantage of the word of God. In uh, as the the chapter continues to unfold, we get this unique character, and her name is Holda. And Holden is a prophetess. And uh, the, the prophetess part, maybe that jumped off the page to you and you thought, well, what's, why is there a prophetess How there? did that happen? But she's not the first. She's um, not. In fact, if we go back through the, the, the Old Testament, you see quite a few prophetesses, actually. Uh, Miriam. Prophetesses? Aaron's wife was a prophetess. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get into the book of Judges, you have Deborah. Deborah was a prophetess at the time. Uh, even Isaiah's wife in Isaiah 8.3 is referred to as a prophetess. So this is not an unheard of role and uh, unheard of function for a woman to play during this time in Israel, though even during this time, the, the more common um, expectation and common way of God uh, speaking to his people was through men, was through prophets, male prophets. Uh, but here you, you find Holda who brings a, a prophecy. So here's the thing. I, I know that today there's an ongoing debate within the church between two different groups of people. One's called complementarian and one is called egalitarian. Um, can you explain what those terms are and help us understand that in light of this passage? Yeah, so complementarian is taken from the, the notion of creation that the, the female was created to complement Adam, to be a helpmeet to Adam, to, to uh, come alongside the, the husband, not in a leadership role, but in a support role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be the position that we hold at Compass Bible Church. And so what that looks like in church leadership then is that the role of pastor, the office of pastor, is exclusively a, a male-held role. So all mm-hmm. of our pastors will be men. Uh, that doesn't mean that women are not gifted. That doesn't mean that they can't contribute in the church or serve in the church in different capacities. But the teaching and the exercising of authority, specifically with the word of God, is reserved in Scripture, we believe, taught in the New Testament for men in the church. Uh, egalitarian is uh, is from a, a word, and you may even hear the concept of equality in egalitarian, and, and that's a good way to keep those two straight. But egalitarian would say that, that women can serve as pastors, and uh, they often will ordain women to different roles in the ministry, sometimes even so far as having a a female lead pastor in a church. Um, That, we would say, goes against what the New Testament teaches about the the roles of men and women in the church. so when you when you see a church's leadership page, you may see Pastor Susie in there. And if you see that, okay, you're dealing with an egalitarian church. If mm-hmm. you look at our uh, leadership page, we don't have a lot of pastors right now. We've got two, but uh, we, you won't find a, a female pastor here in, in our capacity because there's, there's a, a different dispensation, as we've talked about before, Ooh. where God interacted with the Israelites in a different way than he interacts with the church. And the the specific instructions given to the church in the New Testament is that the role of teaching, the role of that pastoral authority uh, is reserved for males in the New Testament. So if, when we look at Huldah here in chapter 34, 2 Chronicles, we're looking at a different dispensation. 
and we're looking at a way that God interacted with uh, Judah during a dark period of time. I mean, let's let's look at the the context here. This wasn't a good season. They lost the word of God, but hold us here. She's honored. Uh, but to your point, Pastor PJ, I noticed that even in verse twenty two. Now, she's acknowledged as the wife of Shalom, who is the son of Tokath, son of uh, Hazra, and on and on. Uh, she's she's listed uniquely than any of the other prophets. The prophets aren't said, oh, and this is a prophet Isaiah. His wife was so-and-so and her, you know, nothing like that. So help us, anything else that we should know about that as we're reading through this? I, I just think it's, it's there's the descriptive things in Scripture and the prescriptive things in Scripture. And when we're dealing with the Old Testament and even into the New Testament in some areas of the book of Acts and others, we get a lot that is descriptive and not necessarily prescriptive, meaning this is descriptive of what was happening at this time under this dispensation and this method and, and manner in which God was interacting with his people. But we shouldn't take that and then make that prescriptive saying, so this is what should always be the case with the church for all time. Super helpful, clarifying, and succinct. Thank you so much for, for giving us that information, Pastor PJ. Two quick things from uh, Holda's, uh, Holda's prophecy. I like in verse 27, she says, uh, because you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words, uh, verse 27, uh, he also says he hears you. Uh, God hears those who hear him. God responds to the responsive. God wants to bless those who are willing to submit themselves to his leadership. So if there's anything Josiah gets, it's that. Listen to the Lord and he'll listen to you. And then in response to the, the prophecy, though it's a negative prophecy and it's it's not good news, what we see in the rest of chapter 34, Josiah kind of does what he can. He, he doesn't sit back and go, okay, well, it's not going to happen in my time frame, so great, I can kind of just take it easy. He goes after the, the men and he starts to try to this. bring as much reform as he possibly can. Love it. Um, teaching, instructing, correcting, and, uh, and that's such an encouraging thing that we see with Josiah. He's like, all right, well, I'm not going to take this sitting down. We're going to do everything we can to honor the Lord and who knows what will happen in response. Yeah, verse 30 all the way down to the end of this chapter. Circle all the alls, all the ALLs. Circle those and you'll see that, man, Josiah is out for complete change, complete repentance. I love his heart in this. Yeah. Uh, chapter 35, he then gathers all the people to keep the Passover. And uh, without belaboring it, he 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 does just that. And I, the thing that jumped out at me this time was at the end, because we had just read something similar to what, what Super. is described at Super the end similar. here. It says in verse 18, no Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. Went back even further yeah. than Hezekiah's. So Hezekiah's like, okay, fine. What about me? Yeah, wait a minute. Um, What's the difference? I, you know, I, I tried to find anybody that could really point that out. And uh, I think one thing that that I suggest, and I'm, I'm curious to get your response to, Pastor Rod, but one thing that I found is is people suggested that there were just more people that were present for this, that mm. there was more of Israel that came down to celebrate this Passover uh, along with Judah, and it was maybe greater because of that. More unity. Yeah, well, there's one, one major difference I saw between the two of them, and the difference is seen in verse 1 of chapter 35. Uh, Josiah keeps the Passover on the 14th day of the first month where King Hezekiah, he has to do his on the second month because they didn't have enough people to support the event. So it, it kind of fits in line with Josiah's heart to do what the Lord says. He's hearing the Lord's words. He's performing the Lord's words according to the words themselves. So he's not giving much wiggle room. That's why it makes it so exciting, so festive, so incredible because he's following the Lord to yeah. a T. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the decline of Judah really begins, uh, even though it's titled in that in verse thirty or chapter thirty-six in, pro, in your Bibles. If you've got an ESV, I think it really begins mm. in verse twenty, and we don't know why, but. Josiah goes out to oppose Pharaoh. Pharaoh was going to do battle against Assyria and uh, Babylon, or rather, and it's it's possible that that 
Josiah had some allegiances to Babylon, and so he was going out to stop Pharaoh from going. But Pharaoh Necho makes this comment about being sent from God. And, and you might be thinking, well, did Pharaoh, was Pharaoh a believer? Did Pharaoh know God? And, and I would say no, but I think this is in keeping with what we're going to see and going to see pretty soon here. In fact, even in our, our reading here and then tomorrow, God uses these these pagan entities, these pagan rulers to accomplish his purpose and his mission. That's right. Um, you know, in, in Isaiah, he calls Cyrus, who will encounter even at the end of Second Chronicles, mm-hmm. his anointed one, his yep. shepherd. He says, I've held him by his hand. So here you see an example of that with Nico. Uh, un- unfortunately, Josiah does not heed Nico's warning. He goes out into battle. Josiah is killed. Bummer. And then it just is a fast decline for Judah from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of time, it appears, though, between uh, verse uh, 19 and verse 20. Because in verse 19, you have Josiah keeping the, the Passover and then in verse 20, his his death, well, then by the end there, you've got a, a situation where his son has taken the throne at, at age 23. So you've got a uh, just a unique situation where there is, it's just a reminder, there's a lot of time passing sometimes in between the white space in our Bibles. So he's keeping the Passover there, um, and then... He, he dies and, and there's a lot of time kind of packed in there, but then his son takes the throne at 23 years old. He's not a good guy. Um, and Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz. And then after Jehoahaz, we've, we've got Jehoiakim and then we've got Jehoiachin and you just sound like you're sneezing for the rest of the time in second Chronicles. Zedekiah shows up and, and it's, we would go into detail with these people, uh, but here's the summary. None of them obeyed the Lord. Mm. Um, they were all, in fact, Zedekiah, I think it, it, it summarizes it well in verse 13. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord. And that's basically all of these these kings. Yep. And this is God fulfilling his promise through the prophet, through the prophetess Hulda, even that that Judah was going to be carried into captivity. Yeah, and this whole chapter 36, everybody, notice that this is this is Judah's exile. This is what leads them into captivity. Mm-hmm. And granted, there's so much happening here, and the author, of course, is entrusting, trusting that you've read First and Second Kings. But notice at the very end of this chapter, it does not end, and God smote the Judeans, and they were done forever. Pew, pew. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. It ends with a, a great note of hope, uh, which is leading us into the very next chapter tomorrow. Exactly. And uh, the, the the New Testament reading for today um, is uh, coming out of John's gospel, John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verses 1 through 22. Um, again, we are headed towards the, the cross and uh, almost there now at this point. And it makes an interesting comment that I wanted to, to point out there in John chapter 19, verse 14. It talks about the day of preparation of the Passover. Uh, and there's debate surrounding what is what was that day, when mm-hmm. was that day, what it, what it was the time frame going on here. But it's important for us to realize this is, is Friday. This is the day before um, the, the Passover celebration would have taken place. Jesus is crucified. And maybe if you're a super observant reader here and you've you've paid attention to the other gospels, you see that John mentions the the sixth hour here mm-hmm. at, at at one point, but Mark said that it was about the third hour that Jesus was well, was what? crucified. So the way that, that that would have worked is the Jewish day began around 6 a.m. And so the sixth hour, according to John, would have been about noon. But Mark is saying that Jesus was already being crucified at the ninth hour, which mm-hmm. or the third hour rather, which would have been about 9 a.m. And so there's a lot of like, well, what happened here? Was there a scribal error whatever? Okay, here's, you know what John didn't have? What didn't John he have? He didn't have an Apple watch sitting on his wrist. No. He didn't have a, a, a regular watch sitting on it. He didn't have a clock. He didn't have a, like a sundial at this point, like just <laughs> stuck in his back pocket. John's been up all night long. 
right? He's been with Jesus. We know he's there throughout right. the whole thing. He's tracking through the trials. He's been up the, the day before, the emotions, the turmoil, the chaos. Every, we can cut John some slack if he's going, he must have been the, the sixth hour when all this was taking place. I, I don't think we have to hold their feet to the fire on the precision on this one. Yeah, and what's most important here is that what John counts, or recounts rather, is so important in, to notice because all these things that he's reporting are so impactful. And he has a, he has a point in mind here, which we're going to cover in, in two days. But in this reading, his whole purpose in reporting these things is to help you feel, as it were, to be in the sandals of those who watched. Uh, verse 6, I read verse 6, and man, I got mad. Did you get mad when you read verse 6? Verse 6 says this, When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify. I mean, they saw Jesus bl- bloody and bruised. This is after he was flogged. And after, by the way, Pilate says, I don't see any guilt in this guy. So Pilate has him flogged and they see him and they're like, no, give us more. I mean, I, I, when I read that, I think, man, evil is real. That is demonic right there. They're they're bloodthirsty. They're, they've gone crazy with hatred toward Jesus. It, it made me mad, but it also made me so thankful. Right. I mean, we read those words because that was absolutely necessary for us to be saved. Um, If he's not crucified, if he's just beaten and released, Mm. we're still in our sins. Mm. If he's not, if he doesn't die. Right. And that's the wages of sin is death And, and Christ on the cross. And we'll talk about this more when we get there. But but it's far more than just the physical death that he dies, that that was bad enough. But it's, a, it's the full payment that's paid. And so in their shout, crucify him, crucify him, yes, you, you, you do recoil. And it's, it's a vitriolic response that you want to have towards these people for sure. But at the same time, there's the gratitude of going, man, Christ, thank you. Because we've talked about it. We talked about it the last couple episodes. Jesus was in full control this whole time. He's still in full control here. Um, in fact, he even says that famous thing in John 19 where he says, uh, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you by the Father. Preach it. So all of it is being orchestrated divinely by the Father through this, and Jesus is walking in perfect obedience to the Father's will, including all the way to the cross through the, the shouts of crucify him. Mm. And uh, and that changes everything for us. And we hope and pray that you have come to know that message. That's right. Uh, that Christ died on the cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and that if you repent from your sins and trust him as your Lord and Savior, you will be forgiven as well and live with him forever. So uh, we are looking forward to continuing this uh, this trek through the Bible with you and join us again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Lord's Day. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.